Having car problems? Well, with Rhoda, getting them fixed is as easy as ordering takeout. They'll come pick up your car for free, do any repair or maintenance needed, and return it right to your driveway. They'll even give you a complimentary video inspection of your car so you can see what needs to be done. Perfect for those of us that maybe aren't so car savvy. Book your appointment online at roda.com. And lucky for you, CityCast listeners get a 20% discount on any service for up to $100 off. Just use the code CityCast20. Here's what DC is talking about. The Walmart on DC's H Street Corridor is closing, and it is, believe it or not, a weirdly big deal. Washington Post columnist Petula Dvorak is here to explain the whole sordid story. Today is Thursday, March 30th. I'm Michael Schaefer, and this is CityCast DC. So, Pachula, there is a Walmart on H Street. There's like a million Walmarts, but there's one on H Street, and it is closing. And we'll get into why people think this is a big deal. But can you start by telling me why is the place closing? Well, let's just say that even the date that Walmart gave for its closing, March 31st, is not necessarily truthful. I stopped by there at least a week before its closing date, and uh, it's ostensibly closed. There's nothing left in the store there. There's about two half aisles. I got a can of soda and some dog food, and it wasn't even discounted. So already Walmart is continuing to disappoint uh, DC. It's closing, Walmart says, because it's not profitable. This is from a $400 billion plus company that says it's simply not making enough money to stay in DC in a place where it's really vital and needed. So I am old enough to remember <laughs> when 10 or 12 years ago, when Walmart came to DC, it was like, this was Palookaville and like the monorail was coming in. The jumps of joy from local politicians and the subsidies that were granted. The city government is pissed about this. They are so angry. And Walmart's withdrawal is really tragic on several parts. How about if we back up a little bit and start with the practical? It was really needed. D.C. is a, it's a city. When your kid needs a poster board because he remembered he had a project at 930 at night, you have to go to Virginia. Hallelujah, 10 years ago, Walmart came and there was an affordable and very diverse retail outlet here in the city. It's a food desert also, and it's a very expensive place to live. And Walmart offered affordable groceries for much of D.C.'s working class. So those two things were part of all of that hoopla that you're talking about. People were really excited that suddenly the kind of stuff that was available in the suburbs and exurbs is going to be in the city. Uh, but the really big part about it is it's Walmart's entire treatment of this from 10 years ago to, you know, these last final two weeks is a big middle finger to the city. The city tried to pass a living minimum wage, which was targeted at Walmart. Walmart has been known for having pretty abysmal working conditions and pay for workers. And the city tried, when Walmart started flirting with the city, the city tried to legislate a living minimum wage. And the council basically ended up playing chicken with Walmart. Walmart said, we'll give you five stores 
if you don't do this to us. And the city said, how about we raise the minimum wage and you still come like you said you would. And they had a standoff. Walmart won. So from the city's point of view, we didn't do stuff we wanted to do in order to woo you. Did they create subsidies or give them any breaks to come here? There were some subsidies. There were some breaks. There were deals with the way they were supposed to come into our biggest food deserts, which are wards seven and eight. There was a partnership set up that would enable that store. Skyland was essentially raised. An entire lot was bulldozed to make room for Walmart. This is the shopping center in uh, east of the river, Ward 7. Yes, Skyland Shopping Center east of the river, which hasn't had any major development in residents there, say, 100 years. And suddenly Walmart was going to come. So the city really made, you know, a lot of space for it, laid out a dirt carpet for them to grow their store. And then in 2016, they said, Oops, you know, I don't think we're going to do any of these uh, stores, these two stores that we provided east of the river in the lowest income parts of D.C. And I remember, do you remember this? Mayor Gray at that time said that he was just outraged. It was a big middle finger to the city. At that point, Walmart had already opened three stores in D.C. in the most gentrifying areas. They picked locations like downtown um, next to Union Station, the location that they are closing this month. They picked two gentrifying areas that, you know, they're doing well. They simply didn't want to stay in the lower income areas. So looked at it the other way, right? You've described Washington where there's large food deserts in working class parts of the city. You've described a Washington where even like a Washington Post columnist needs to drive to the suburbs of the exurbs to get poster board for her kid's school assignment. This, from Walmart's point of view, ought to mean this is a tremendous opportunity. Why did it not work out for them? They said it simply wasn't profitable. And this is what they do. I mean, they're they're ruthless. Obviously, there's a reason why they're a billion, billion dollar company. In 2016, when they said that they weren't going to build those two stores in Ward 7 and 8, they also closed 269 stores across America that weren't, quote unquote, profitable. This year, when they say they're closing this store in D.C., they also closed 12 other stores across the country. It's all about their bottom line. Was crime or the perception of crime part of the equation? That's part of the rumors. Uh, Officially, they won't say anything about that. This Walmart was in a busy and diverse area. It was right next to the train station, next to the bus station, next to the largest homeless shelter in the city. So there was a lot of activity there. There was shoplifting like there is everywhere. And nowhere did they officially say that crime was an issue. The only way you could see crime being an issue was that everything started getting put behind plexiglass lockers. So yeah, if you wanted deodorant, you had to ask someone for a key (laughs) to, to come and unlock it. But if you look at the minimum wage issue, that's another key to the bottom line. The D.C. minimum wage right now is $16.10, and it's poised to go to $17 in July. In Maryland, where some of those employees transferred, the minimum wage finally reached $13.25 in January. In Virginia, where some of those other Walmart employees could go and transfer, the minimum wage is 12 bucks. So it's all about the dollar. And if they're looking at what they have to pay the employees, it's not profitable to be in D.C. 
So you've sort of answered my next question, which is what's going to happen to those employees? Do they guarantee them jobs at other Walmarts? That's what they said. I heard mixed reviews from the folks I just talked to as the store was already empty of anything but soda and dog food and a few Easter things. There were like five employees there, maybe two of them said they they have completed a transfer. The other three didn't tell me what was going on. I also spoke with some of the higher skilled employees there. So that would mean the pharmacy department and they were not able to transfer. And some of their biggest concerns were that they couldn't transfer to the DC locations, but they offered them transfers into Maryland and Virginia where their salaries um, would be much lower. When was the last time you went to the theater? Well, we have a new show for you to check out. The Gala Theater in Columbia Heights is showing the political musical comedy Museum in the Closet, Avida's Return, which follows Argentine icon Eva Perón to the afterlife as her preserved corpse ignites political scandals, clandestine affairs, and mysterious murders. The show is full of samba, reggae, and tango that will have you tapping your feet nonstop. The show is in Spanish with English surtitles and will run from May 9th through June 9th. Get your tickets now at galatheater.org or call 202-234-7174. So you live on the hill. H Street is this strange, you know, uh, economic force, which is it's a place where you can pay like 20 bucks for a bowl of ramen, <laughs> but... You've now seen the closing of the supermarket where you could get like a four for a dollar pack of dry ramen. What's going to come in that space? That's a really good question. I wish I could answer it for you because I, you know, made a few calls and chatted some people up and nobody knows quite yet what will go in there. The other stores on H Street, there was a kind of famously sketchy store, I guess, Murray's Meats. They closed and there's Whole Foods there now, farther down 8th Street in that $20 ramen uh, block. So I can't imagine that Whole Foods would go there. You know, the one speculation, um, that space that Walmart never filled east of the river was just filled by Lidl the German supermarket that has found a niche in some of these lower income areas. And uh, I don't know, I couldn't get any confirmation that Lidl is even looking at it. But if there were any, you know, tea leaves to be read, that is where they they stepped into one gap that Walmart left. I wouldn't mind. <laughs> they don't have poster board. But <laughs> So your column has been so awesome about this, but you seem like personally upset about it. Tell me about that. <laughs> well, I just think, you know, personally, it messes with me because it was nice to have that option to not have to cross the river to Alexandria. My kids are past poster board age, thank God. But it was still a great resource in the city to go if you just needed something really quick. But, you know, Beyond the practicality of it, it's just such an affront to D.C. As we struggle for statehood, for respect, for even grasping our own home rule now, as members of Congress are trying to tell D.C. that they know better what we need, this is a real slap in the face. I remember the first time that they really turned on us when they didn't fulfill their promise to go to Ward 7 and 8, Mayor Muriel Bowser said she was blood mad. And I agree with that. And 
you know, also think about it. You know, when Walmart was making those sweeps, you know, was it two decades ago, maybe killing mom and pop shops, right? That was the story we all wrote. They killed mom and pop hardware stores and toy stores and came in and built these super centers. And then we kind of sold our souls. I'll never forget a guy, Alfonso, I spoke with 10 years ago when this fight over Walmart coming in was brewing. And I said, do you want Walmart to come here? What do you think about the living wage? And he left the front door and came back with a tricycle, a brand new shiny red tricycle. And he said, look at this tricycle. I went to Toys R Us in Virginia and it was $79 there. And then I went to Walmart and I got it for $49. So he wanted Walmart to come and he figured we'd work on the living wage later. And so it was that trust in helping our own pocketbooks. You know, we sold ourselves to the Walmart promise. And now on the front end, Walmart comes creates a big anchor store and other smaller companies come around it and now they pull out and they leave a big gaping hole. And what is going to happen to now those mom and pop Chicken Rico um, that kids love going to nearby Walmart, will they survive because the traffic that Walmart brought isn't going to be coming to the small businesses that Walmart promised some economic health to? I looked at it from Walmart's point of view. I presume they would say, well, you know, it was your all's choice through your democratic process to raise the minimum wage to a, a rate that doesn't fit with our hardcore business model. And so, of course, we're going to leave. It was your choice and you're doing. Absolutely. And I guess that's where we uh, we decide whether or not we want to keep frequenting Walmart morally. <laughs> right. I guess that's all we have. That's the risk when you start tying your economic development to companies like that. Exactly. Exactly. Did you have you talked to the people at the chicken place and next door? Like, like, what are they thinking? I haven't talked to them, to be honest with you. But the one promise they have is the all boys school that's right next to Walmart, where my son went, Gonzaga High School. That's you know nine hundred hungry teenage boys. So I sure hope they keep them in business because they sure did for a while. <laughs> I would sell chicken there. <laughs> Jilla, right. Thank you, thank you, thank you for being here. Thank you so much for having me. Before you go, lead producer Priyanka Tilvey is here with some quick news. Yesterday, the Congressional Oversight Committee held a hearing on crime, homelessness, and the overall financial status of D.C. The reps grilled D.C. Council Chair Phil Mendelson and three other city leaders about carjackings and violent crime, but also abortion access and D.C. schools, which one representative likened to inmate factories. Overall, the hearing seemed less like an honest attempt to address these concerns and more like political peacocking. We're diving in deep in tomorrow's episode, so be sure to tune in. Also, it's been six weeks since the McPherson homeless encampment was cleared, and most of the people who live there still don't have homes. What's worse, social workers and volunteers say it's becoming harder to provide necessary resources to folks who are now spread across the city and disconnected from their community. Meanwhile, there's even more bad news for D.C.'s criminal justice system. In 2022, the district's U.S. Attorney's Office refused to prosecute 67 percent of people arrested, nearly double the amount from 2015. This has frustrated city leaders who are already under congressional scrutiny for being, quote, too light on crime. The prosecutors say they decline mostly minor crimes, not violent ones, in part because the city's crime lab is still unaccredited. Lastly, the 2023 James Beard Awards finalists are out. D.C.'s got three mentions. The Peruvian Spot Causa got nominated for Best New Restaurant. Oyster Oyster's Rob Rubba is still in the running for Outstanding Chef. And Albie's Chef Michael Rafiti is nominated for Best Mid-Atlantic Chef. The winners will be announced in June.
And here's today's DC life hack. Public restrooms in DC can be hard to find, but they do exist. Some good ones are at Calorama Park in Adams Morgan, Malcolm X Park, City Center, Eastern Market, and The Wharf. Plus, the city is considering building even more in parks across the city, so keep an eye out for that. Our friend Jade Womack at Clockout DC put together a whole list of spots. We'll link to it in our show notes. And that's all for today here on CityCast DC. If you enjoyed the show, tell someone who lives near the H Street Corridor. We'll be back tomorrow morning with more news from around the city. Bye. I remember when Kmart opened in New York. Um, are we both old enough to remember that? And there were hipsters mm-hmm. like trying on T-shirts for $6. And wow.